I've come to the very exciting time where we're going to see the next part of our story in Daniel. It's going to be very exciting. And Aaron, one of our young helpers, is going to come and read part of the story for us. And then David's going to come. The reading is from Daniel chapter 5, verses 18 to 24, from page 891 in the Church Bibles. That's Daniel chapter 5, verses 18 to 24, page 891 in the Church Bibles. Your Majesty... The Most High God gave your father Nebuchadnezzar sovereignty and greatness and glory and splendor because of the high position he gave him. All the nations and peoples of every language dreaded and feared him. Those the king wanted to put to death, he put to death. Those he wanted to spare, he spared. Those he wanted to promote, he promoted. And those he wanted to humble, he humbled. But when his heart became arrogant and hardened with pride... He was deposed from his royal throne and stripped of his glory. He was driven away from the people and given the mind of an animal. He lived with the wild donkeys and ate grass like the ox. And his body was drenched with the dew of heaven until he acknowledged that the Most High God is sovereign over all kingdoms on earth and sets over them anyone he wishes. But you, Balthazar, his son, have not humbled himself, though you knew all this. Instead, you have set yourself up against the Lord of heaven. You had the goblets from his temple brought to you, and you and your nobles, your wives and your concubines, drank wine from them. And you praised the gods of silver and gold, of bronze and iron, wood and stone, which cannot see, hear, or understand. But you did not honor the God who holds in his hand all your life and all your ways. Therefore, he sent you the hand that wrote the inscription. Thank you, Erin. In just a moment, we're going to be coming back to those verses, and you'll need this little piece of paper, but, but not for now. At the moment, you just need to think. You need to use your minds. I want you to think of something that you're really, really good at. Something that you're so good at that you would be confident enough to say that I am the best at this thing in this room. Have a little think. Ten seconds. Chat to the people next to you. Something that you're so good at that you think you'd be the best out of everybody here today. Right, let's come out together, let's come out together. I was, I was trying to think, um, lo- lots of options I could have gone with, so multi-talented, lots of options. Um, I thought juggling, I'd back myself against most people juggling. And bop it, you know the game where you have to, like, hands down, easily. A pogo stick, I think I'd back myself to stay on a pogo stick longer than most people. But the one I've gone for is... I think I'm probably the best at the strawberry lace challenge. Now, if you've seen the strawberry lace challenge, you'll know what I'm talking about. Basically, what you have to do is you get a strawberry lace, and you have to put the end in your mouth. And without using your hands, you have to eat the strawberry lace. 
Make sense? Now, we need to test this theory because like, no one just wants to watch me do it. Uh, <laughs> that'd be weird. So I've got 16 strawberry laces, so four people from each column. People, now, the idea of this is that you need to, you need to be quite good, otherwise it's not going to work. Okay? So you need to be quite good. doesn't just need to be children. It can be adults as well. If there's an adult who thinks, I'm really good. Um, hopefully, you know your kids' allergies. Um, I've got the list of ingredients if you, if you need them. Um, so Dana, if, if you're allergic to anything, you need to be really, really good. Otherwise, this is going to fall flat, okay? So someone who's good needs to take part. So four people standing up from each column. Is there anyone who's quite good? There you are. You're backing yourself. You just want a strawberry lace. There you are. Oh, just came out of the cup, that one. Is there anyone who's really good? Are you good? Oh, that, that one's come out of that cup, sorry. Yeah, do you want to take some? Four in this. There you are. Caroline Scott Evans backs herself. There you are. I've given all the ones from this way. Right. If you've got your strawberry lace, you need to stand up and people around you can cheer for you. So remember, no hands allowed. Hands behind your back. Hmm? Zachary, no cheating. And I really back myself here. Right, are we ready? So if you're taking part, stand up. If you're taking part, stand up. And cheer for people around you. And when the person around you is finished, you need to all cheer to let me know. Okay? Are you ready? In th if you beat me, this is amazing. In three, in two, in one, go. Right. Let's take a seat. Hands up if you beat me. Dear me. Now, at this point, I could respond in two ways, couldn't I? I could respond in two ways. I could be really proud and arrogant. I could say, nay, you all cheated. I'm the best by a mile. But given the evidence, it would be much better for me to say, I am obviously not the best. Much better for me to be humble and acknowledge that most people beat me. Now, the reason we've started off like this this morning is because this morning's verses help us to think about how we as human beings should respond to the God who made us. This week at Holiday Bible Club, we've been going through the story of Daniel and we've seen two big things so far, two big things. The first is that God rules. Can we say that? God rules. God rules and is building an eternal kingdom. He rules over all things. And through his son Jesus, he rules forever. 
The second big thing is God rescues. Can we all say that? God rescues. God rescues people through the death of his son to bring them into his eternal kingdom. God rules and God rescues. This morning, we're going to spend a few moments thinking about how we should respond, how we should respond to the God who rules and the God who rescues. Now, do we all know how to play Spot the Difference? Great. A few people. That will really help. So do we all know how to play Spot the Difference? Great. Because this morning, we're going to look at two stories, two true stories from the Bible. And there are lots of similarities between these stories but there are also some really important differences. And so as I tell them, you need to listen out. Listen out for the similarities and the differences. Story number one contains a king. King, do come up. And this king is called Nebuchadnezzar. We've heard about him this week. He's called Nebuchadnezzar, and he's the king of Babylon. And one night, Nebuchadnezzar falls asleep, and he has a dream. Now, we've already followed one of Nebuchadnezzar's dreams this week. This is a different one. Nebuchadnezzar has a dream. And in this dream, there is a massive tree. Look how big it is. Whoa. It's a massive tree. So big that it touches the sky. So big that you can see it from wherever you are on earth. So big that all of the animals come to this tree for shelter and food. But then in this dream, a messenger turns up and he says, cut down the tree. And so the tree is cut down. And then this messenger says that there is going to be someone who's given the mind of an animal. He's going to be sent off to live with the animals until he acknowledges that the Most High God is sovereign over. That means in control of all kingdoms on earth. Now, we've already seen this week that God has given Daniel the special ability to be able to understand and interpret dreams. And so it's the next morning, Nebuchadnezzar wakes up, morning, um, and he finds Daniel, and Daniel comes up to the front, enthusiastically. (laughs) Nebuchadnezzar tells Daniel what happened in the dream, and Daniel explains, he points at the tree, he points at Nebuchadnezzar. You, Nebuchadnezzar, are the tree. After all, Nebuchadnezzar is such a powerful king. He rules over a massive empire. But do you remember what happens to the tree in the dream? It's chopped down. Daniel says to Nebuchadnezzar, you rule now, but your kingdom is going to come to an end. Nebuchadnezzar is the one in the message, who is going to be driven away. He's going to be given the mind of the animal. He's going to be eating grass like an ox. And all of this will happen until Nebuchadnezzar says that the God Most High is sovereign over all kingdoms on earth. And so Daniel gives Nebuchadnezzar advice. He advises him to turn around, to turn from his wrongdoing. But Nebuchadnezzar does not listen. He does not listen. He puts his crown back on his head, and he climbs up to the roof of his palace. One year later, he climbs up to the roof, and he says, look how great Babylon is. Aren't I such a great king? Haven't I done such amazing things? And so the message from heaven comes. He's going to be driven away. He's going to be given the mind of an animal. He's going to live like an animal. He's going to be sent out until 
He acknowledges that God is sovereign over all kingdoms. And that is what happens. He comes down from the roof of his palace. He's driven away from the people. He's given the mind of an animal. He eats grass like an ox. (laughs) But then after some time, Nebuchadnezzar does the wise thing. He then acknowledges that God rules. He acknowledges that God is sovereign over all kingdoms on earth. And so Nebuchadnezzar's kingdom is restored to him. That's story number one. The second story takes place a few years later. And as I tell it, remember, similarities and differences. A few years later, there's another king in Babylon. He's called Belshazzar. He's called Belshazzar. He's the king of Babylon. And one day, Belshazzar is having a party for lots of his friends. They're all here. Lots of his friends. And he sends some orders to bring the very special cups that the people stole when they brought the people out of Jerusalem. Here are the very special silver cups. And they continue to drink, and they have a good party. But all of a sudden, the fingers of a human hand appeared. (laughs) A little bit higher. And the fingers of this human hand wrote a message on the wall. Keep the magic real, people. Don't tell them. (laughs) This hand writes a message on the wall. Now, Belshazzar at this point is absolutely terrified. His face goes pale, his legs grow weak, and his knees begin to knock together. He doesn't know what to do. He gets some wise people in, and he says, if anyone can read this message and understand it, then they will be given a very big reward. But no one can help. Who do you think can help? Daniel, that's right. The queen reminds the king that Daniel's been able to do things like this before. And so King Belshazzar, he gets Daniel in. And Daniel's not really that fussed about the rewards. But he says that he's able to, he's willing to read the message and tell him what it means. The writing says, mene, mene, tekel, parsin. And the message from God is that God has numbered the days of Belshazzar's reign and that his kingdom is going to come to an end. His kingdom is going to be given to some other people. Now, Belshazzar rewards Daniel, but again, Belshazzar does nothing about this message. He doesn't listen to Daniel. And we're told that that night, Belshazzar was killed and somebody else took over the kingdom. Now, as I say, two stories, similarities and differences. So what we're going to do is we're going to take five minutes or so, take up your piece of paper, discuss with the people around you. Can you think of any similarities between the two stories? And can you think of any differences between the two stories. You can write sentences, you can draw pictures, whatever's easier for you. A few moments or so.
the case. I think someone might be in there. I think someone might be in there. Who can you not see? Who might be in there? Who, who does treasure seekers? I think I've seen they. Who else does treasure seekers? Can you remember anyone else? She's not here this morning. It's not Hazel. Great, we're going to come back together. can share some of those a bit later on. What I want us to do now is focus on two big differences. Two big differences in these two stories. And those two differences are how each king responds to God and the result of those responses. Two responses and two results. And for this, you'll need um, a Bible open, page 891, or if you'd prefer the, the passages printed on the piece of paper, if that's easier, whatever you prefer, 891, um, or the piece of paper. And I'm going to read those verses that Erin read for us earlier on. Page 891, or the piece of paper, whatever's easier, beginning at verse 18. At this point, Daniel is speaking to King Belshazzar, and this gives us a good summary of the story. Daniel says this, Your majesty, the Most High God gave your father Nebuchadnezzar sovereignty and greatness and glory and splendor. Because of the high position he gave him, all the nations and peoples of every language dreaded and feared him. Those the king wanted to put to death, he put to death. Those he wanted to spare, he spared. Those he wanted to promote, he promoted. And those he wanted to humble, he humbled. But when his heart became arrogant and hardened with pride, he was deposed from his royal throne and stripped of his glory. He was driven away from people and given the mind of an animal. He lived with the wild donkeys and ate grass like the ox. And his body was drenched with the dew of heaven until he acknowledged that the Most High God is sovereign over all kingdoms on earth and sets over them anyone he wishes. Two kings. First response comes from Nebuchadnezzar. How does Nebuchadnezzar respond to God? Well, Nebuchadnezzar humbly acknowledges that God rules. Nebuchadnezzar humbly acknowledges that God rules. You can fill in the gaps on the sheets if you want to with a pen. Fill in the gaps. Nebuchadnezzar humbly acknowledges that God rules. Now, of course, it takes a little bit of time 
God has to bring Nebuchadnezzar down to size. He has to humble him. He has to take away his power and his might. He has to take away his dignity. But in the end, Nebuchadnezzar humbly acknowledges that God rules. And so the result of this is that God saves Nebuchadnezzar. Nebuchadnezzar humbly acknowledges that God rules, and so God saves Nebuchadnezzar. Chapter 4 of the book of Daniel is Nebuchadnezzar telling us all about how he came to praise and worship the living God, how he received salvation. First response, first result. Let's continue to look down and see how Belshazzar responded and the result he faced. On the back of the page, if you're following on the piece of paper, verse 22 in the Bibles. But you, Belshazzar, his son, have not humbled yourself, though you knew all this. Instead, you have set yourself up against the Lord of heaven. You had the goblets from his temple brought to you, and you and your nobles, your wives and your concubines drank wine from them. You praised the gods of silver and gold, of bronze, iron, wood, and stone, which cannot see or hear or understand. But you did not honor the gods who holds in his hands your life and all your ways. Therefore, he sent the hands that wrote the inscription. Nebuchadnezzar is willing to humble himself, to acknowledge that God rules, but Belshazzar is completely The opposite. Belshazzar proudly refuses to acknowledge that God rules. Belshazzar knows what has happened. He's been told the story of Nebuchadnezzar. And what does he do? He sets himself up against the gods of heaven. He does not honor God. He does not listen. He refuses to acknowledge that God rules. And so the result is very different. God judges Belshazzar. Belshazzar proudly refuses to acknowledge that God rules. And so God judges Belshazzar. Do you see the two responses to God? Do you see the two completely different results? Two responses. Two results. Now, these true stories from the Bible are of great encouragement. They're great encouragement because they remind us that God rules. He really does rule over all things. He rules over all people, even Nebuchadnezzar, the most powerful man alive. God is so powerful that he can save the most powerful of people. But the main thing as we come to a close that I want us to consider is our own individual response to God. As I said at the start, this week we've learned two big things. God rules and God rescues. God rules over all things and through his son, Jesus Christ, he has established an eternal kingdom. God rescues people for that kingdom through his son's death. 
And so the question as we finish is, how will we respond? Or which king will you be like? Of course, you probably aren't the king of a nation. I doubt there are many here this morning. But when we think about it, we do like to be king of our own lives, don't we? We like to decide what's right and wrong. I like to decide what's right and wrong for me. You like to decide what's right and wrong for you. We all like to be in charge of our own lives. We all like to decide how we live. And that means that when we're confronted with the true king, when we're confronted with the one who really does rule, well, there are only two options. The same two options that I had earlier on when I did terribly poorly in the race. Option number one is to be like Belshazzar, where we proudly refuse to acknowledge that God rules, where we continue to live our own way, where we continue to reject God. But of course, that is dangerous, because God really is God. Can't take him lightly. Look what happened to Belshazzar at the end of the story. Option two is to be like King Nebuchadnezzar, where we humbly acknowledge that God is the one who rules, where we humbly acknowledge that we've lived in rebellion and so need forgiveness. And so therefore come to the cross of Jesus for forgiveness. I hope you see that that's the wise response. The wise response to be humble before the Lord of heaven. As well as being the wise response, it is also the joyful response. It is the response that leads to salvation. It is the response that leads to be, being part of an eternal kingdom. If you wouldn't call yourself a Christian, then please let me urge you to think seriously about just how important Jesus Christ is for you. If you would call yourself a Christian, then let's let these verses keep encouraging us to being humble before the Lord. To keep on humbly acknowledging that what God does is right. To keep on humbly acknowledging that what God says in his words is good. And as we do that, as we be humble before the Lord, as we humbly acknowledge that he is the one who rules, then we can remember that we're part of the eternal kingdom that he's building. God rules. God rescues. What's your response? Which king will you be like? Let's pray together. Dear God, thank you that we've seen very clearly this week that you are the God who rules. You are the God who rules over every single thing. You're the God who's building an eternal kingdom. Thank you, our Father, that we've seen this week that you, that you are the God who rescues people to be a part of that kingdom. And so we pray that you would help us to be wise, to take you seriously, to be wise and to come and humbly acknowledge that you indeed are the God who rules and the God who rescues. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. The musicians.